Hello, Metro Augusta. This is Janice Allen Jackson welcoming you to the August 3rd edition of Local Matters, a show designed to make you a more confident voter and a more engaged citizen. As always, today's show is brought to you as a service of my consulting firm, which is Janice Allen Jackson and Associates. If you missed last week's episode, please go to my website, JaniceAllenJackson.Weebly.com or to the Facebook page of the Local Matters Podcast of Georgia and catch State Representative Sheila Clark Nelson. Today's episode is about a very important topic in uh, not just our area or our state, it's a nationwide issue, and that is the types of services provided to individuals with intellectual and developmental disabilities. We'll talk about some of the laws uh, that have been passed that affect services provided to them, but I want you to engage in this show from a human standpoint because we have a parent who has been advocating for her child for over 50 years. Thanks again for being a part of the Local Matters family, and we hope you learn a lot from today's show. Today's guest on Local Matters is Mrs. Ann Streetman Knighton. I have known Ms. Knighton since I was a teenager because she was my high school chemistry teacher. How are you doing today, Ms. Knighton? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I am great. I am great. My, my history with Ms. Knighton goes all the way back to my days at Richmond Academy uh, when she was advisor for the science club and I was an officer in that club. So uh, it is wonderful to know that our relationship has come full circle uh, to right. the point where she is now a guest on Local Matters. Ms. Knighton, one of our traditions on Local Matters is that we ask our guests to tell the audience a little about their academic and professional backgrounds. Uh, so if you could just take a few minutes so our guests would know a little bit about who you are before we start discussing the topic of developmental disabilities and services provided by the state of Georgia. Uh, I, I am also a, a graduate of Payne College, uh, that, and I'm very, very proud uh, about that. Um, the HBCU, Historically Black College, and it still is, um, and let's see now what else I need to tell you uh, in my, I, I went to uh, University of Georgia. I studied there um, some uh, chemistry classes as well, teaching chemistry to high school students. And um, in my recent years after I retired from teaching and I taught for a long time um, in South Georgia, at uh, Spencer High School. Uh, I taught in South Carolina, just across the river at Jefferson uh, High School and uh, in Michigan for two years and then in North Carolina for a year. And then I came back and I was hired at Richmond Academy, the Academy of Richmond County, ARC, 
And I taught there for 27 years and that's where I retired. And when I retired from teaching, I went back to school at Augusta State and um, uh, got uh, a degree in sociology and my track is gerontology. And the gerontology and the issues that impact aging also impact persons with developmental and intellectual disabilities. Um, and so those two really do correlate. Uh, All right. Out, and and there's, there's one thing that you mentioned that you didn't mention about being hired at Richmond Academy. When you were hired at the Academy of Richmond County, you were the first what? I was the first black teacher. And I remember how that really happened. I, I, I came home and I had two children. Um, I was living in Michigan with my husband and we just decided that things were not gonna work. And I had two children. I had a, a daughter who was three years old and I had a daughter who was a few months old. And my cousin and I got in her car and we, we drove, and by that time we knew that Erica was disabled, but I didn't know how, how much, but uh, she was taking phenobarbital for her seizures. Um, and we always took some phenobarbital. I would put it in the glove compartment of my cousin's car. And we drove to all of the high schools and the junior high schools in Augusta. And um, I would leave Erica and Stephanie in the car and with my cousin and I would go inside and speak to the principal about a job. And it was in April of 1968 that I went into Richmond Academy and asked the principal for a uh, an application and asking for a job. And he told me that we, they wanted to hire a black person, but they wanted the person to come on their own. And, uh, you know, he was very, very positive. And he also said, um, I remember when I went to, to the first day of school at, not the first day, well, it was the first day for teachers. The principal introduced me and said, Miss Knighton's last teaching experience was in Michigan. I guess that was supposed to imply that I could manage at Richmond Academy. But anyway. Okay. okay. And you wound up staying at Richmond Academy, you said, for 27 years? 27 years, yes, from 68, okay. uh, August of 68 to June of 95. Okay. All right. Um, and you also mentioned Erica, which is going to be the topic of our show today. Of course, yes. I knew your oldest daughter, Stephanie, because I think That's she's right. a year or two behind me in school. Right. Um, but uh, Erica, I always heard you talk about Erica, but I want you to uh, share with our listeners just that experience of finding out that your child has a disability and then um, all the things that come with that as you have been her advocate over the last 50 plus years. We have an article that I've written about Erica. Um, 
I think it's at the library, uh, excerpts from a diary, or Annis Lighton. I don't know whether you a diary that I was writing about my experiences, just my, my personal experiences. And um, I was involved in a parent counseling group for parents of retarded children. And I learned to say the word retarded because I learned, I learned from my experiences and in being involved with, with a therapist um, for parents of retarded children. So, so I, I don't have any issues about saying Erica is retarded. Um, but, but anyway, you might want to check out that article, um, excerpts from a diary. But I do want to say this, uh, Erica is, um, has a chromosome error, a translocation of the eighth and 22nd chromosomes, which means the eighth chromosome is in the C group. You have several groups of chromosomes, A, B, C, D, E, and the eighth chromosome is too short, is too long. The, the uh, 22nd chromosome is too short. So chromosomes actually have three parts, a head, waist, and tail. And it's believed, the theory is that the eighth chromosome broke off of the 22nd and relocated itself on the eighth, on the, on the eighth. And it's, then that one is too long and the 22nd is too short. Uh, and that's the, the theory about her disability. Now that error is very, very small, but the disability is quite profound. And, and I would like to back up a, a minute just to say that, that uh, I am black. I'm the parent of a child with a disability. Um, I am a woman and I'm a single parent. And that makes me a person, <laughs> a, a minority in several different ways, okay? Erica does have a developmental disability. She has a chromosome error. She has um, osteoporosis. She has kyphosis. She has also um, a feeding tube. She has a feed, has had a feeding tube for about 10 years. Um, so that means she does not eat by mouth. She has, she the, the food is fed to her. And she also has a seizure disorder. Erica takes three different medications for seizures. And she started with seizures when she was four and a half months old. And that was very, very painful. And, and I remember so very many times praying so much that Erica would learn to talk or uh, that things that she was going to get better. Um, but the but the issue is that this is a journey, and it's a journey for me, and it's a journey for for the family, and it's also a journey for the State Department. Mm -hmm. uh, I've learned I've learned a lot as as a result of this, and I've learned I've uh, the most recent thing is I've written an an article. I've written a, a story that I need to get published. It's called uh, Hoorah for Erica. It's a children's book.
that I learned from my experiences when I went back to school um, and writing children's books for seniors are very, very good because they have very good messages and you can get the points over in about five or 10 minutes. My reasoning for Erica's going to Gracewood uh, and, and that was a journey, having her to go to Gracewood. I never really wanted her to go. And, and I know that there's an ideology who feels that people should not be in an institution. Uh, they would call this an institution, but I can give a, a litany, a lecture on, on, on that. But my thing is, <clears throat> here I am and I, I was teaching teaching at Richmond Academy. And I received so many phone calls. Erica was going to school uh, at Lindale and, and I would um, get a phone call to come to the office. I do remember, and, and these are some of my, my, my thinkings about why Erica should have been going to, uh, living in an institution, okay? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They, they told me one day when we picked her up that Erica almost choked to death because they gave her a hot dog. And I had thought Erica, I had never given her a hot dog. I knew not to ever do that. She didn't seem like she was, she, she, Erica has never followed directions. She's not able to follow directions. Mm -hmm. You know, she doesn't have that ability. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, so so my, my thing though is that Erica, uh, one day, Erica was at, at Lindale and they had this real pretty white sand and it was in October. And if you are aware of the fact that in October, the sun shines very bright, we don't have an overcast too much and the, the sky is really blue. And that sun was coming right down on the sand and they had Erica in the sand with some other children and Erica had a seizure. And usually if you would have a seizure, you might have three or four in the course of the day. If, if something triggers it, then she's gonna have several others. Um, and then I would get a phone call to come and get her because she was sick. Mm -hmm. And then that meant, um, you know, how, how can you, manage the job and in, in times past, I want to say this on, on, the, on the side note, I remember going to Washington DC with, um, because I was active in the teachers organization. And I remember going with the uh, congressional contact team from the National Education Association, the Georgia branch of the National Education Association. And we lobbied for the, um, we lobbied for the uh, Family and Medical Leave Act mm -hmm. okay, so that you don't lose your job because you are taking care of a family member. But I worried about that. We, uh, the person who was the, this was George Augusta was in 10th district then, now we in 12th district. Mm -hmm. The person who was the representative was rep uh, representative Doug Bernard. I remember going to his office and speaking with him about that. And that was my specific issue. But, but I've had other uh, concerns and other family members that I've had to see about. But my point is that 
you know, whenever anything happened, I was called, come and get Erica, come and get Erica, come and get Erica. And it was almost like, it was almost like you are, are not really concerned about your family member. And so I, I had to work real hard being, uh, um, become a very viable member, active member of the Association for Retarded Citizens. And uh, one day I went to Dr. Persley, who was the superintendent of, at Gracewood then, and asked him if Erica could come to Gracewood. And that was after I had, we had been in a meeting at, you know, a, a, a regular meeting of that. And he gave me permission for Erica to come. But, but my point is, and my aunt has said to me, baby, if you keep staying out, you won't have a job. But I also felt too that I, I could do more advocacy by having Erica at Gracewood than I could because I have an older daughter that who had needs as well. She didn't have the same needs that Erica had, but she had needs and needed to be seen about it, needed to get an education and needed to uh, have the, the experiences in life that young people are supposed to have. Um, but I do want to say this, my, uh, and, and I've, I've given a litany about this so many times, um, about an institution. There is an ideology who feels that no one should be in an institution or uh, people with developmental disabilities should be in the community and not in an institution. But the issue is that the government is an institution, church is an institution, family is an institution, school is an institution. And I could go on and on and on. And maybe that has sparked some ideas in you about what is and what is not an institution, you know? So that's been an argument a great deal. And I guess I take issue with anyone who is, who is debating with me about what is and what is not an institution when you may be a professional and I hold you in high esteem for that, but I'm also a parent that even though Erica is at Gracewood, I live with the fact of a disability every day, every day. Right. And so you, you ask the superintendent if she can come in to Gracewood, he admits her to Gracewood. And I, what I also learned from what you just said was that her disability forced you to become an advocate, uh, not just for her, but for others and other families who were similarly situated. That's right. You can't, I can't speak for Erica and not speak for other people um, that, that, that you, you know, you, so, so I have spent a lot of time. One of the first things that I advocated for was, um, I, I can't remember the number, but it was in the Georgia legislature. We have some laws specifically that address people 
with developmental disabilities. And um, one of the things is um, Public Law 94142, uh, which addresses the fact of people um, being educated in the least restrictive environment. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and the other is the Armstead decision. And the Armstead decision came about because of, in Georgia, it came about as a result of some people who were functioning on a high level and they were in an institution in, in Atlanta and and they um, wanted to be in the community and they couldn't find any place in the community and they didn't want to be in the institution, okay? And, and then we have, um, you have the Armstead decision and you have uh, the ADA. Mm -hmm. Americans with Disabilities Act. That's right. The Americans with Disabilities Act addresses services for people with developmental and intellectual disabilities. And that may seem like that's not necessary to have that act, but it is. But I, I want to say something about the Armstead decision. Uh, the Armstead decision addresses choice for people with developmental disabilities. Choice, whether you want to live in the community or whether you want to live in the institution. And um, uh, you know, I, I have some issues about that, but that is that is the situation. But I also want to say that that the uh, that the Armstead decision in in Georgia seems to be different than the Armstead decision in some other places. What what they want to say in Georgia, uh, some of the times I have gone to some staffings about Erica, they want to say Erica wants to live in a ranch house, or Erica wants to live in a big two story house. I mean, what, what good is it going to do? That's just more work for the people who are seeing about Erica because Erica can't go up any steps. And, and she doesn't know about a ranch house any more than she knows about a two-room house. As long as she has services, that is the issue that matters. And, and she, you know, I, we've had some meetings and people have come to the meetings to say, Erica wants to live wants to sleep in a bed like this. Well, Erica has a feeding tube and Erica has to be in a bed that can be elevated at an angle of 30 degrees so that she does not aspirate. Okay, and how do they how do they determine or you know what are they basing that on when they say if Erica wants to stay in a certain type of house or a certain type of bed? I think that's making a mockery of developmental disabilities because Erica doesn't address any issues. I am the one who does it. And I want to say that, and I, I have been in some meetings even at Gracewood and they told me Erica is ready to go to the community. And I said, and who said so? But I never was able to find out who said so. Okay. So you, you are legally her guardian, which is, absolutely appropriate um, as her mom and um, the laws have changed as I hear you say they've, they've changed to allow uh, more choice which seems to fit 
people in certain circumstances, if they have a disability, but relatively high functioning, there probably are some less restrictive environments that would be appropriate and where those individuals could flourish. But there are others like your daughter who are best served by an institution. Is that your conclusion after all of this? Uh, well, well, you know, the reason I feel that Erica should be in an institution is, is not because Erica is so disabled, but because there are no services in the community. What, okay. what, what happened was that um, in 2010, I believe it was in 2010, the, the Justice Department found a lot of flaws with the state institutions for the disabled. And the, the governor was Sonny Perdue. And he said, when they went to him and they told him all of these things need to be taken care of. And he said, well, we'll just close all of the institutions. And, um, and when they, clo they closed, the, the, the state closed the institutions and they turned their heads. Okay. And, so and then uh, people were moved out, 500 people. You know, the, the, the number of people, the percentage of disabilities is like between one and 2%. But the number of people who died in one year in Georgia, not necessarily Augusta, but in Georgia was 500. And we have that information from Tom Corwin at the Augusta Chronicle, those articles were in the paper. And I want to say this, there are people who function on a much higher level than Erica. They, they sing very well, they speak very well. Um, they, they can do some things quite well, but they do not do the critical thinking. And there were some people who were moved into the community. And one case, this, this young man was very, very, very uh, personable and, and spoke very well and functioned on a high level. And he went to, a, they let him go to a party and they had, they served alcohol at the party and he, he drank some alcohol and he got sick and died. But oh, no. most, most people who, who, um, have a developmental disability been a, a lot of those people take medications and medications don't always work well with the alcohol but it but i i know of, of it is a fact that 500 people died in one year and the next year it was almost that many as well and that's somewhere like a, that information is the year 2015 Okay, and these are people who move from institutional settings to more like group home settings? That's right. But, okay. but which, the, the, they have a lot of guidelines in, and I, I really appreciate Gracewood. And Gracewood is the only facility in Georgia. The, the difference, they have some institutions in Atlanta, but they do not have the skilled unit. 
and Gracewood has the skilled unit. And skilled means it's, it's like nursing home facility. Okay. Okay. So, and, and in these years, it seems like you've developed a pretty strong appreciation for what Gracewood has provided. And I want to highlight that because if you talk to the average person who does not have the type of insight, obviously, that you can provide, uh, they will say, Gracewood, oh my God, that's an awful place. But you seem to be telling a different story. Yeah. It's, it's not the way it was. And Gracewood's doors have closed. And we have talked about this. And I, I just would uh, allude to uh, uh, the Augusta Interfaith Coalition and Reverend Johnson. And that is the fact that we have said that the doors need to be open again. You know, in other words, we have people there and they are there, but they are not uh, taking in more people. And people are still being born with disability. Okay, okay. If there's one thing, we're gonna get ready to close out. If there's one thing, or maybe more than one thing, but you know, you've talked about advocating for family leave policies. You've talked about advocating for additional resources um, through some of the organizations that you participated in as a parent of a, a child with a disability. If there are just a couple things that you will continue to advocate for, things that you want to continue to ask the state legislature to do, tell us what those things would be. Well, you know, I, I want the doors to open for, uh, for uh, Gracewood. I, I want them to be aware of the fact that, that it has never been said that people with developmental disabilities have choice. And when I am saying choice, that means it's all right for you to live in the community and it's all right for you to live in the institution. And when they say that, when you say that, that means the services are there. You can make your choice either way, take it or leave it. But people who, you know, Erica is not necessarily disabled, but she is medically fragile. She has a seizure disorder. And she has a feeding tube in it. And I take issue with anybody who's giving Erica her feeding. I mean, they've never given me the opportunity to give her a feeding. So um, if she's in an institute, if she's in at Gracewood, the people who give her her, her medications are nurses. If she's at, in the community, the people who give her her medications are somebody that they train to do it. And, and I have taken the nursing assistant class. I did it for six weeks and I worked in a nursing home. I've had that experience, but I have never, I mean, giving medication, giving an enema or these kinds of things are invasive procedures and they have never given me the assignment to do that. So I take issue with once person moved from the institution to the community, then the assignments for the attendants who see about them are different. It's not as much money in the community as it is at Gracewood. Okay. All right, before we close out the show, I know I asked you that question. Is there anything else you wanna share with our listeners about 
your experience and maybe even what they could do to assist people like yourself who are advocating for those additional resources and um, ways of ensuring that people with uh, disabilities are properly taken care of? You know, it's one thing I want to say. and, 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 and there's only so much we have done about this and we haven't done, but we have said that we have to have a rally. We'll have to have a rally because the, the members of the Georgia legislature, and we have tried to address this with the people, with the Augusta delegation. It's been kind of hard, but they, uh, they voted, but they voted to take some of the land from Gracewood for a a veteran cemetery. And I take issue with that. And you take issue with it because? I take issue with it because, you know, we have people who are disabled. And as far as I'm concerned, it seems like you're trying to move them in a wheelchair or in a bed on the sidewalk so you can have a place to bury people who have already passed away. What about the living people? Ms. Knighton, thank you so much uh, for sharing your experiences and informing our listeners because the purpose of Local Matters is to inform people about Uh, things happening in our community and how our local and state governments respond. All right. Thank you so much for asking me. All right. I close with my favorite Bible verse from 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. This show is designed to contribute to each of those, giving you the power that comes with knowledge demonstrating love for your local community and offering you wisdom for decision-making so that you possess a sound mind when it comes to these topics. Please tune in next Wednesday at 1.30 p.m. here on WKZK, 1600 AM, 103.7 FM, and WKZK.net because local matters.